0: It's better. Yeah, it's got to (laughs) be better. Anyways, I don't know if we'll put that on the table. All right, moving on. All right, we're doing the outward journey. This is the introduction, so we're gonna we're gonna kind of soar high and go over big, big, broad topics. We're not gonna go too far in depth, but I hope that everybody leaves both encouraged and a little bit challenged. Does that sound good? Yes. Yay! Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's do it. We have a verse that we will probably read every single week. Just like we read for the upward journey, which was 2 Corinthians 3.18. I actually remember that now, after three months. I should Here we go. John 20, 19-22. This is right before Jesus is crucified. He's up. Well, actually, excuse me. This is after Jesus is resurrected. And the disciples are gathered together. And Jesus appears in the room. The room was locked. And Jesus shows up. Because when you're the resurrected Son of God, you can do that kind of thing. And he freaks them out. And this is what happens. On the evening of, that, of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. Why would he do that? Because he's just crucified, right? He's showing them that it's, it's actually him. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That's our key phrase right there. And then there's a little more, it continues. It says, And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent Jesus, Jesus now sends us. This is going to be what we dive into. So, what does sent mean? This is kind of what we're going to answer over the next three or four months what it means to be sent in different contexts, how you walk this out. But, you know, for kind of an overview purpose, let's just go with this. If you're a Christian, if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're in a relationship with Him, you are now an adopted son or daughter of God, and you are sent to represent Him in His kingdom. Amen? Amen? That's good. It's simple. Now, we're going to go a lot more in-depth than that, obviously. We have four months to do this. But this is what we're going to roll with today. And we're going to talk about three questions. Number one... Who is sent, and what does that entail? Two, how do we do what we're sent to do? And three, what goal are we sent to accomplish? So, these are kind of three interesting questions, and I hope they're fun to do, but we're going to spend most of the time on the first one. Who is sent? I kind of just gave it away. Who's sent? Well, obviously, you are. Assuming that you are a Christian... If you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ, He's your Lord and your Savior. You are sent. Now, if you're very keen and you just read that verse, you might say, "Aha, but Pastor Anthony, that was said to the apostles who were gathered in the upper room. Maybe, maybe only they were sent." Well, we have a parallel account of this surprise visit from Jesus in Luke chapter twenty-four. Luke tells the story a little differently. He talks about Jesus meeting these two disciples that are actually walking on a road to a town called Emmaus. Have you guys heard this story? And these guys are really bummed them, man, because Jesus is dead. And he shows up and, and wrecks their parties. Like, what are you guys so upset about? Oh, and he kind of gets them talking. And then he reveals that it's him at the end of the story. And they run all the way back to Jerusalem and go into the disciples. they're like, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. And they say, you're crazy. And then Jesus shows up. So it's interesting. Jesus, like, creates his own intro and then shows up. I I appreciate that. (laughs) He's a good storyteller, and he knows how to make an entrance. So here's how Luke talks about this same encounter. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. That's the two disciples that just had their minds blown by the resurrected Jesus. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And saying, it is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon, then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So it's not just the 12, the 11 rather, because Jesus is carried obviously is no more. It's the 11 and those with them. So the hand picked disciples and normal Joes that just believed. And it's to all of those people that God says, You're sent. I choose you. Pokemon, <laughs> yeah, I decided to use this several different times in this presentation. It's a good if you are a Christian, if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life, you are sent. Has God the Father sent Jesus, he sends you. And guess what? You are sent right now. All of you is sent. And you are sent right now. What do I mean by that? Let's look at a Christmas slide. Timely. Yeah, Timely. Here we go. Luke 2.11. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a tiny infant baby that one day will grow up and go through a whole bunch of life and eventually become the Savior who will be in the future Christ the Lord. It's not what it says, is it? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to look at this stereotypical Christmas verse and make one point. The minute Jesus came to earth as a screaming, crying, spitting out, pooping baby, he was sent. He wasn't waiting until later. He was sent immediately. Does that make sense? He is Christ the Lord. from The minute he shows up as a baby, he's sent. When he's 12 years old, we get another story, also in Luke. When he's 12, his parents decide they're going to take him on the journey to Jerusalem to worship him. Jesus stays behind in the city. His parents lose him for three days. thats I'd love to know this whole story. We don't get the whole story. We get parts of it. But he's 12 years old. Parents realize he's not with them. Three days later, they find him. Where is he? He's hanging out with the religious teachers. Here's the story in Luke 2, 46 to 50. Three days later, they, his poor parents, finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them, and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him. I imagine dad was so upset he couldn't go in. This is just my... <laughs> you don't really bring that boy out here. Son, his mother said to him. Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But this is Jesus' response. At how old? 12 years old. Why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Other translations translate that. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Whoa. And then you get this little tag on the end. But they didn't understand what he meant. Which I think is an ancient Hebrew idiom for they spanked him. (laughs) But he's 12 years old. And he understands something, doesn't he? He understands... Who he is. He's sent as a baby, as a 12 year old. And then, what does he do? Then he returned to Nazareth with them, his parents, and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. So he goes back, he's obedient to his parents, and the Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. And the next time we see him, he's around 30 years old. So what's he been doing that whole time? He's been learning how to be a carpenter, like his dad, for 30 years, just working, doing stuff. Sent the whole time. Yeah. Sent as a baby. Sent when he was 12. Sent when he's doing the family business, and then, of course, we know sent when he enters full-time public ministry and becomes quite the public figure. But there was never a time that he wasn't sent. So I want to tell all you guys, wherever you are in your spiritual walk, and let me back up. I really don't like the phrase baby Christian. That irks the crap out of me. So if you've just given your life to the Lord, I'm going to use it for analogy sake because I just talked about baby Jesus being sent, but I don't think of you as a baby. Are we clear? Okay. You can still be an adult and be a new Christian. But you are not too young to be sent. Not actually in age... And not spiritually either. If you got saved yesterday or during worship, you are sent. If you're eight years old and you give your life to the Lord two or three times a week like I did, you are sent. You are not lacking any qualification. You are not in the wrong stage of life. You do not have to wait to accept this calling of being sent by Jesus. Stop it. If it's, oh, I'll be sent right when I get serious about life, when things fall into place, after college, after high school, when I have a house, when I'm doing it, then I can be sent, then I can dig in, then I can really go, you know, 100 miles an hour wholeheartedly into the ministry. Jesus was sent at 12, sent as a baby, sent as a carpenter, equally as he was when he was in full-time ministry. You don't have to wait either. You're not in the wrong stage of life to accept this call. You are not in the wrong job, for so crying out loud. You're not in the wrong family. Yes. Hmm. Jesus' family was crazy weird, okay? Very tough being born and having everybody look at you funny, thinking that you are the illegitimate product of an illegitimate union in some backwater little town. He probably did not have it too easy. So if you're in a nasty family situation, take heart. You can still be sent. And you are not the wrong personality type. In fact, to him or at home... You are sent, if you are a Christian, whether you like it or not, (laughs) you are just sent. Jesus shows up in the room and says, I'm sending all of you guys. He didn't even ask them, you'll notice. Appears in the room and says, go out there and get them, tiger. All of you are sent. And amen. I was going to say, capiche, But that would probably be a little confrontational. only my mom would get. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Your whole life, you are sent. And you're never not sent. As a pastor, sometimes I don't don't preach on weekends, you know? And I have those weekends off preaching. Sometimes I go out of town and I just don't think about ministry, you know what I mean? And I call that time off, that goes in quotation marks. But you know, there's never a time that I'm not sent. Even if I'm not technically acting as a pastor, and even if you're not technically acting whatever spiritual capacity you have... There is never a time that we're not sent, even if we're off the clock. Does that make sense? you are never off of being sent. Let's look at Jesus' own life. And for the rest of this sermon, we're going to hang out in John. Our key verse is in John 20. And actually, John has a lot to say about all of these topics. So we're going to stick right there. First (coughs) chapter of John. Jesus is walking down the street by himself, minding his own business around 4 in the afternoon. And he hears John the Baptist cry out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And suddenly two guys are following and wanting to know where he lives. (laughs) I don't know if he intended that. But you know, four in the afternoon walking down the street, unexpected. Guess what? Sent. Right then, at four in the afternoon. Surprise, you're not off the clock. John chapter 2. Jesus gets invited to a party. And asked to do a miracle. What if he just wanted to enjoy the party? He was a human being as well as being God. But guess what? Not off-duty at a party. Does that make sense? Still sent. John chapter 3. Late at night, one of Jesus' political adversaries shows up where he's staying. Didn't expect that, did you, Jesus? Turns out he wanted to have a nice civil conversation. But who knows? Late at night, get ready for bed. Pour yourself some sleepy time tea, a little bit of honey and lemon. Knock at the door, and you look through the drapes, and there's that guy. What is he doing here? Guess what? Still sent. John chapter 4. Jesus gets roped into ministry on his lunch break. He's just exhausted. He wants to sit. I'm going to sit next to this well while you guys go get pizza. I'm beat from the journey, man. And some lady shows up. Ministry time. On the lunch break. Still sent. And John chapter 5 records Jesus working on the weekend. (laughs) We like to say healing on the Sabbath, but I think that takes away some of the thrust. Even on the weekend, still sent. All of you, every aspect of your life involves being sent. You are sent at all ages, in all stages of life, and at all times. Sent, sent, sent. As God the Father sent Jesus totally to live his whole life as a representative of God the Father, Jesus sends us to do the same. Let's move on to point two. That sounds really daunting. How in the world do we do that? I want my lunch break. I want my weekend. I want my parties. <laughs> right? I want to mind my own business at four in the afternoon for crying out loud without getting roped into ministry all the time. Anthony Davis... Cannot handle that amount of stress. I don't want to work 160 hours a week. If I wanted that, I would go to medical school, and I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a pastor. (laughs) But good news. Even though you're sent, you are sent with help. Amen. You're not sent alone. That's not the way God works ever. As the Father has sent me, says Jesus, I am sending you. And then what happens later? Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Man. Man, why do you think it, it comes right on the heels of sending them out? Because this is the way Jesus lived. Jesus lived completely empowered and supported by the Holy Spirit. He knows that you can't make it on your own. He knows that I can't make it in my own strength, on my own, and he never intends me to. Listen to these two verses that explain Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit. Luke 4.14 Luke 4.14 Jesus is, I believe, just gotten done being tempted in the wilderness. And it says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. The Holy Spirit was like the battery that, that kept him going. Right? It's the force that drove him, that strengthened him. And then Acts 1.8 records Jesus talking to the disciples right when he's about to ascend. And Jesus' advice to the disciples is this. <clears throat> You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And he actually tells them, hang out until you get it. Wait until you get the power of the Holy Spirit. How are you supposed to be on all the time, sent all the time in the power of the Spirit? You are not sent alone. You are sent with help. Mm-hmm. Once you want to see how this plays out in the scriptures? Yeah. In John? This is actually pretty neat. I enjoyed walking through John and getting these examples. <laughs> John five nineteen to twenty and six thirty eight to thirty nine record Jesus talking about his relationship with the Father. I am going to take a little bit of liberty, and I am going to equate this with his relationship with the Holy Spirit because it involved his hearing from God and being encouraged by God and being directed by God in the same way that the Holy Spirit is supposed to lead and direct us. Right? There is a lot in the Bible written to believers that says, "Keep in step with the Spirit, follow the Holy Spirit." You know, obey the Spirit's leading; don't grieve the Spirit. So I think this works wonderfully well. According to these verses, you'll be told what to do. Won't that be nice? Mm-hmm. You're sent. But you're not sent with a blank sheet of paper. You're sent with an, an actual directions. God is going to tell you what to do in each situation if you listen. He won't leave you in the dark. This isn't a mystery. God isn't a game player that expects you to just guess and figure it out. <laughs> Next, John Seven Sixteen. God will equip you with knowledge. Jesus was a carpenter, not the head of his class. And the Pharisees were constantly amazed that he knew so much and had so much wisdom. And Jesus is pretty upfront about it. I got this from God. God the Father has given me this wisdom. Guess what? God gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit <laughs> will instruct us. You're sent with help. He's going to tell you what to do. He's going to equip you with knowledge and wisdom. And, here we go, John 8, 26 and 28, 29 and verse 38. God will even show you what to say. There's plenty of verses in the Bible on this as well, but I'm sticking with John. If you're going to go into a situation and you know ahead of time it's going to be difficult, pray. God is sending you there, but he's not sending you alone. He will tell you what to say. And if all of this sounds like a lot. If it sounds like your life is gonna be thrown into this, you know, blender of ministry, you know, I don't have any free time, and I'm sad, and my lunch breaks aren't my own, and I can't even walk down the street without being afraid, literally afraid that somebody's gonna demand ministry of me and all this stuff. Take a break. Twice in John 20, in the passage we read, Jesus said, peace to you. Peace to you. This is another thing the Holy Spirit's gonna do. And this might be the number one reason We can't do it on our own, and God doesn't expect us to do it on our own. The Holy Spirit will give you a divine, powerful peace. This is a perk of having God's Spirit live inside you and keeping step with Him. This is a real benefit of having an intimate relationship with the Lord. Having a peace that transcends understanding. I've had situations in my life that were pretty yucky. No doubt there are lots of stories in here that make anything in my life pale in comparison. I don't pretend to have the worst life ever. But I'll tell you this. I had some situations that when I thought about them without praying, when I thought about them from my own natural Anthony mind, without bringing God into the equation, dude, we're talking about like racing heartbreak, short, shortness of breath, like I want to lock myself in the bathroom. I don't think I can handle this, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> Anybody's been there, you know what I'm talking about. You want to raise your hand. It's amazing what happens, isn't it? When you worship, or when you read scripture, or when you call that friend that you know you can trust, that has that relationship with the Lord, and you get that encounter with the Holy Spirit. Peace comes. Nothing has changed. Except the Holy Spirit has shown up and reminded you that you're sent, but you're not sent alone. You're sent with help. And not only am I going to tell you what to do and what to say and give you wisdom, I'm also going to give you peace so that you can deal with this life that I expect you to lead. Amen? Amen. That's good stuff. I enjoy the peace of the Holy Spirit. Last thing. Who's sent? You are. Whether you like it or not. All of you all the time. Whatever you're doing if you're a Christian. We're sent with help. We're not sent alone. And we're sent with a purpose. I'm going to read a little bit more of John chapter 20 and I want to uh, maybe address what might be the elephant in the room. It, it was for me. And it might be for some of you guys, too. Or, or maybe you haven't even thought about it. But darn it, we're going to address it here in a second. Here we go. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. Interesting. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. While I was preparing for this message, I found this short but very poignant article that said, Hey, basically, dear reader, have you ever wondered why Jesus has to say peace to you twice in this passage? And I would like to propose an answer. And his answer is, the first time was to keep them from being scared. But the second time was to prepare them for the mission. And he says this, Jesus' presentation of his scars may well be a demonstration of the character of the mission on which he sends the disciples. They are sent precisely as their crucified Lord has been sent, to suffer. Now I just want to think about this for a minute, because this is one of those things that if we were Christians in Sudan or in Syria, we wouldn't, we'd hardly have to touch on this, but we're blessed to be in America, so I want to think about it for a minute. Is suffering the purpose? I don't know what that TYU is doing on there. That's not spiritual or anything. That's just a mistake. I know there's a D too. Interesting. (laughs) But is suffering the purpose? Serious question. I remember after the Passion of Christ came out, I think it was John Piper published a book called 50 Reasons Jesus Came to Die. You know, and you read verses that say Jesus came to give his life. You know, and and you ask people why did Jesus come to earth and they'll often say What? to die on the cross, right? Is suffering the purpose? And I'm actually going to say, no. No. Although a willingness to endure suffering is a requirement of being sent. And here's the reason I say that. All over the New Testament and all over the New Testament, you have encouragement from authors that are writing to people who are actually being murdered, actually being ostracized, actually being pushed to the poorhouse by society because of their belief. And you have these authors saying, hey, think big picture, guys. Think of the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus. You can do this. Make it through suffering. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Okay? It's all over. But that's not the end. That's never the goal. Even the guy who wrote that article had a footnote in there, and he takes it out of the footnote and says, well, obviously that's not the end of the story because... It's the resurrected Jesus who's talking to them. And this is what I want to point out. Being willing to suffer is a requirement. Sometimes things happen, and we don't know why. I'll tell you what, it doesn't seem fair that we're in here talking with the doors open, and there's some people probably right now in the world talking in hushed tones with the doors closed in a basement. Because people could come in and kill them. As of right now, nobody's probably going to come in and kill us. Why is that? I don't know. I trust the one who rewards, and I trust the one who equips, and I trust the one who's just to sort it out But I think that we're here not just to suffer. Suffer could happen. Suffering could happen. But we're sent to join God in his mission to redeem the world. And the spoiler alert that's in the Bible is that God wins. Amen. <laughs> You're sent to win. You're sent on a mission to join God in what he's doing. Jesus doesn't lie to you. John 16, at the top says, in this world you will have trouble, but here's the rest of the verse. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. But he was willing to do whatever it took to get there. You're sent, and he asks the same of you. I'll leave it at that for now. You are sent at any age, you are sent in any stage of life, and you were sent at all times. There is never a time you're not sent. And you are equipped to be sent right now if you are a Christian and you love Jesus. You were sent with the help and empowering of the Holy Spirit. You are not alone. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to help you do it. He's going to get you the peace to go through it, no matter what it is. And you are sent here to earth to further God's mission and to win. Although a readiness to suffer is mandatory. Because just like Jesus was willing to do whatever it took when he was sent, he e- equips and expects us to be willing to do whatever it takes when he sends us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So one last question. We're going to study this for four months, and maybe you don't have an answer to this now, but I hope you do soon. You are sent. Are you ready to go? Ready to go to work, like you normally do? Ready to go to that second cousin's wedding, like you normally would, ready to go to school, ready to go to family dinner, but this time are you ready to go acknowledging that you are sent? Thank you, guys. Here's Shamra.